Hey y'all, it's Ryan Monso, and this is a Talking About Them Cougars podcast from GoCougs.com in affiliation with Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football podcast network. Houston is 1-0 in the Big 12 this week. First ever win. You get it in the stupidest, craziest, what the just happened kind of way. And we're going to talk about it because that's what we do. But first... I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. Cougar athletes have to trust their coaches and teammates, whether it's going for it on fourth down, nailing that three-point shot, or trusting your teammate to hit that walk-off home run. If you've been in an accident, big or small, do not go it alone. You can trust Gus to fight for your maximum recovery. Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. TrustGus.com. Principal Office, Houston, Texas. And we're back. This is Brad Towns, co-host with Ryan Monso on this lovely podcast we have here today. Finally, we get a W in the Big 12. Feels good. I'm happy. Very happy with that. Um, I didn't, I wasn't very excited about the way it was going to go down, but you know what? To get your first one, you it's good. Your cherry. It's good. You got to, you got to be able to, uh, you got to be able to win. You don't. You hope you don't have to do it like this very often, but you know, you got to start somewhere and you know, this is a start, you know, I'll take, I'll take a little luck when you need it. First thing that pops out of my mind about watching that game is Donovan Smith going from what I thought. And I said at the time could not have looked worse in the first half. Now his numbers weren't particularly terrible. I think he was like eight of 13, um, but he missed some wide open throws and even the completions that he, he threw were just off. Receivers had to make plays, had to make really good catches, had to pick the ball off the carpet a couple of times on those. It wasn't pretty. And Donovan even said that after the game that he thought he had a terrible first half. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it was um, from just watching it live. It, it felt like he was throwing the ball, trying to not make a mistake. Yeah. Like I, I view it kind of like whenever, when I'm, when I, most of the time when I was pitching, when I was trying not to walk people, I was all over the place. Yeah. In trying the second to place it instead of just throwing it. Yeah. In the second, in the second half, third quarter, he didn't get a chance to do a whole lot. I, I think we only ran eight plays total in the third quarter, but in the fourth quarter, it was just give me the ball. And let me, let me, let me take care of it. And he just, he let it rip and he looked like, he looked exactly like the quarterback that I saw that played against U of H last year. The one that, that whenever I heard that he was coming here thinking, okay, this, this guy can play. Um, it was, it was impressive to watch. And it, it, the funny thing is, is it instantly reminded me of the fourth quarter last year against Memphis when we were getting inexplicably blown out. Yeah, at Memphis, and Clayton Toon said, "Forget it. Everybody, get in the backpack. We're we're going." Um, he converted that fourth down and just went ham after that. 
Um, same thing, same thing here. And coming starting in the third, in the fourth quarter, I think we ran eleven straight plays where Donovan, Donovan was either throwing the ball or running the ball. Eleven straight plays, all him. And we went from three points down to seven, seven or ten points up. And then, of course, then he he makes the the miracle throw, which it was a great execution on the tip drill and and all that stuff, and you know catching catching the ball and everything. But I don't think enough has been said about the throw itself. I mean, the dude is literally running to his left, throwing across his body, and launches the thing fifty yards. Yeah, it dead was, on. I mean- Dead on accurate. Probably the probably the most accurate throw he's made all year long. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent on that. Uh, just going back and looking at the technique and his hips and what he's doing, unbelievable. Like this guy is a big time college quarterback. That guy on that throw, and right. really that whole fourth quarter. Uh, you said eight plays in the third quarter is actually seven. But yeah, yes, he turned it on in the fourth quarter. This is the first time U of H has scored in all four quarters. So yeah. you wrote about dead quarters last week, and Dana, obviously reading the site again, said <laughs> we're going to score in every quarter. Just and to they shut did. him up, shut you up, you little bitch. Well, offens- offensively, we didn't. We doesn't didn't matter. Doesn't matter. But hey, we'll take it. Touchdown in the first off a kick, a kick return, a hundred yards. Uh, but. That their kicker had a couple of bad kicks, but then he was like launching it eight yards into the end zone. It's like, well, just run that play some more. That's the smart one. I, and you know, Jack Martin, even, even U of H, even U of H does it. But I don't understand. I mean, I get the I get the idea of hey, we want to kick it high and let it let it drop down, and we'll cover it like a punt. But if you got a if you've got a dangerous return team against you, I mean. Some, I, mean, I would assume that the your opponents, you're scouting special teams as well. Yeah. At what point do you think that, you know what, I'm just going to go and kick it to this guy and just see what we can do? And that's just dumb. I, just, I mean, it's like when people would kick the ball to uh, to Marcus Jones. It's like, why? Are you stupid? That's just dumb. And I'd be saying the same thing if we're kicking off at dangerous guys. Like when we were kicking off, at, I mean, when we played South Florida a couple of years yeah. ago and they ran two touchdowns back, it's like, why are we kicking to this guy? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, just like a, a passer, a kicker misses, you know, he doesn't mean to throw it there, kick it there, uh, and they miss. And when you see a ball like in the middle of the field, that means a guy missed. And uh, the the kick that golden returned was kind of angled but it wasn't like to a corner it was like at the numbers i think Mm -hmm. and so he's gonna have a return there he's gonna have i mean that's that's prime real estate for a kick returner yeah we once again have talked special teams more than any other podcast in the history (laughs) of this country I'm sure there's some kickers out there who have a podcast that talk less about less kick. about kicking than us. Probably so. Uh, but you know, that's that's just we look for we we like to focus on areas where we can steal points, and there's so I, many ways mm, to steal points in the special teams game. Hundred uh, percent. So back to Donovan Smith in the fourth quarter. He was seven of seven. He threw three touchdown passes. Obviously, the, the one at the end. And two others, another one to Stefan Johnson, and I think the 
other was to um, Sam Brown was the one in the corner, that crazy catch yeah. that Mario Puente got the amazing photo of. Yeah, he's uh, good. We're going to get that one blown up uh, and get it to Sam Brown in an NIL deal, I think. Uh, just really love that photo. Uh, you know, in the first half and at halftime and into the third quarter, U of H led this game, and it was like, how the hell is this happening? Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like West Virginia controlled the game all the way into the to the fourth quarter. Well, it felt like it because they did. Yeah, but but see, that's the one. That's the one thing that one thing in in watching them and looking at their numbers and trying to see how the heck, how are they doing this because their numbers weren't spectacular in running the ball because no. they're average. They were averaging like four point two yards a carry or something like that. Their Ended entire well under their entire mo was just let's hold on to the ball as long as possible, get to third down, and hope we can convert third down. And you know they they do that quite a bit as we saw, um, but they just kept holding on to the ball and doing nothing with it. They, at some they point, were really good running through between the twenties. At, at but, some point, you got to score. Yeah, and they were. I mean, when they got to the red zone, they were really good. They they scored all four times, but. And then they were 82% on third down, which is freaking ridiculous. Yeah. They just kept drives alive. And that's a big struggle for the U of H defense. They just can't get off the field. And they're something in the 120s nationally in third down conversions. They're right at the back end on fourth down conversions. They just can't get off the field. Yeah. Um, so, unless, yeah. It's, unless it's an interception or a, a fumble. So we're going to need a lot more of those if we're not going to pick it up on third and fourth down. Okay. So you wanted to talk winning plays. Let's do it. There's a lot to to choose from this game. And when when we're talking about winning plays, you're not talking about the obvious stuff. You know, a a big run here, a big big pass here, great catch and stuff like that. It's the little things kind of behind the scenes or stuff that doesn't show up in the scorebook. Something like um, like Sammy Brown getting the uh, seal off block on Manjack's touchdown. Yep, those are those are winning plays. Th- that's the difference between winning and losing right there. Because if he doesn't make that block and hold that guy off, then Manjack's probably tackled at the, about the three. Yeah, and then and who we've knows shown that we kind of struggle in short yardage. I mean, you know, you turn that into you turn that into a field goal instead, you got a completely different ball game, different shape. Well, well, you don't have a chance at the end to win. Yeah. So, so Kelvin Sampson's thing, and he tells me repeatedly, is that tips are the thing that, that get him going. Like, you tip the ball to one of your teammates off a rebound or, or a missed shot. That is a stat that does not show up, but that they track that's vital to the program. Right. And wide receivers blocking for their teammates is one of those things that I think is crucial mm-hmm. that you've seen some U of H teams that are not good at it, that don't focus on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're seeing it a little more this year. I think Dekeel uh, shorts has emphasized it a little more and you're seeing it help. And you saw it help in this game. Uh, and you saw even on the, the Hail Mary 
Sam Brown is down there kind of like blocking guys to get them out of the way so that either him or Stefan Johnson or maybe little Dalton Carnes uh, trailing behind can grab that ball. And that's something that this team has to have because you're not explosive offensively. You've got to have that. Mm-hmm. When you look back, you look back at all of our, our big time explosive offense, especially back in the, uh, the mid to mid to late 2000 era. Um, that's one thing our guys did really, really well is blocking downfield. And that's the reason why you see those, you know, five, six yard passes break for 50 to 70 yards. It's yeah. not just because the wide receivers were blazing fast because they were, but they're not getting into space unless defensive backs are being taken care of. And you don't have to be a great blocker. You don't have to go and just bury somebody into the dirt. You got to at least get in their way. You got to at least impede their, their motion, knock them off course, slow them down. And then it could be, you know, that's the difference between a couple extra yards or a couple of dozen yards. Yeah. And this week is going to, it's going to show like, are you doing the little things? Because you're just going to face a much, much more talented team. They could be reeling after their loss at OU. They could be completely focused. Who knows? Rusty. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, Dana's going to throw the kitchen sink at them in the first half. In that first quarter, he's going to try everything. I would hope so. Yeah. And I, who knows how that turns out. But uh, yeah, it's the little things. So well, let me ask I'm- you some questions. Go ahead. Unless you're done. Did you need something else on that topic? Nope. Go ahead. Okay. So let me ask you some questions. What do you think the biggest regret is after six games of this season? Losing to Rice. Yeah. Coming out completely dead against Rice to start the game. I think the coming out part is the thing you can regret. I mean, you just, you flat did not show up. No, no. And and the, the magnitude of that loss is... Well, it can very much be calculated because it it leads to empty seats. You're going to see a lot of orange in in our stadium, thanks in part to that loss to Rice. Um, that killed any possible momentum you had, and it took a what should be a relatively easy win off the board. You win that game, you're sitting here at four and two coming into the season. You expect that you probably won't beat TCU. As much as you want to, you probably won't beat TCU. Um, you're looking at, a, we're, you know, Texas Tech was one where I had a toss-up. I thought we could go in there and beat them, but I knew it was going to be tough just being on the road. But that was, you know, that was a 50-50 for me. Um, but I had West Virginia circled as a win. I don't care that they eked out one against Texas Tech when they, got their quarterback injured again. Um, I don't care if they eat one out against a bad Baylor team. I don't think, I just don't think West Virginia is any good. Now we made them look good at quarterback, but I don't think their quarterback's any good. I don't think, I don't think you're going to see him have a day like that against many other people other than us. But that was, that was the one that I was expecting. I literally was expecting us to be four and two at this point. They beat TCU, by the way, not Baylor. TCU, sorry. Yeah, don't want to be accused of lying. Yeah, right. The West Virginia guy is not very good. He's not going to have a day like that again. Right. That's the last thing you said. 
Well, I agree. He's not going to have a day like that. And I did not think he was very good. The numbers downfield were not very good. He hit a few, um, especially on that last play, that fourth and 10 from the 50, which I don't know how that happens, what the breakdown is. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you've got to figure scoring on fourth and 10 from the 50 is a one in a thousand chance. One in a hundred. Let's, I mean, I don't know what the number is. Oh, against us, it's probably well, one in three. Probably close, yeah. probably close to even odds now. Yeah. But to turn around and two plays later, score from the 50 again with right. no time left. I mean, yeah. those two that, games don't end like that. Right. And it was the dumbest thing I've ever, I mean, it was exciting. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was just, just goofy college football yeah. that you will never see again. Yeah. Well, and see, that, that brings it back to why that Rice loss was so devastating is that you're right, on, you're right where you should be. You're sitting at 4-2 and two right now. You're exactly where you should be. Um, this season carry, looks a lot different at 4-2. and two. Yeah, you, you're, carrying, you're carrying a lot more momentum going into this next game as opposed to just hoping to survive against Texas. And I'm, le- I'm less worried about Texas. More, I'm more worried about the following two games after that. Now, the, this, is, this is the entering the part of the schedule that we had circled before the season that this could be kind of a painful stretch. Yeah. Now, the, the expectation was that Baylor should be at least solid. Yeah. This is now a painful stretch because Baylor almost turns into a must-win on the road. To make well, up, I don't think there's any question right. it's a must win. You have to win that game. Yeah. You can't. I mean, you're not beating Texas. I, I, I mean, maybe there's some cosmos where it happens when Quinn Ewers is cold crash and, or he gets food poisoning or something. Um, but Donovan but, did it last year. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I just don't see it. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to happen. And then Kansas State, it Kansas State. I, I don't see it. Baylor, then you get four games to end the year, and you need to win three. So at Baylor, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, both in Houston, and then at UCF. Mm-hmm. All four of those teams, best case scenario, you don't know what they are. Worst case scenario, they're freaking terrible. And Oklahoma State has started to show a little promise. They're starting to maybe figure it out. UCF. They just destroyed the state of Kansas. Yeah. I mean, that you know, uh, losing the major ample white does tend to get your mind in the right place. <laughs> Makes you wake up real quick. Yeah, wait, yeah. it's a wake-up call. Uh, and so they have, they've sort of started figuring it out. So maybe they could be okay, but you're still a month away from that game, and a lot can happen injury-wise or momentum or whatever. U of H has actually been very lucky so far in that in terms of guys that play starters i think you've only had one season ending injury and that was noah guzman i don't think there's any others dj nelson had a season ender but he didn't really play very much just a little special teams i think chidozi got nicked up he got nicked up but he's back he had a he had a big game against west virginia yeah so you know there's there's opportunity um What's your other questions for me? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about questions. Uh, from, yeah. So the offense did some things against Sam. They had a good half against Tech, and they put enough together late 
in this game, are they showing you progress? Are they getting better? Or are you just playing some bad teams? Um, there is progress in that there's progress in the scheme to an extent. Um, when we go to a, when we go with a more RPO look, um, we're a much better offense. Uh, you know, we saw it, we, we talked about it and saw it in Sam Houston. We saw it for a half against Texas Tech. Um, we didn't see a whole lot of it. I was, I was really kind of surprised when I looked at, at, um, PFF on, on Friday and saw we only had, I think, seven play actions off the, and that just, I don't know that. It seems low. Well, for what, for, for us to be as effective as possible, it's, it's very low because we got to do some, we got to do something to free up space. We've yeah. got to do something to move people around and slow people down instead of making it really easy for them to get into their reads. We've got to make people to do a lot more than just react to what we're doing. Got to get them thinking. Um, so I thought that was, I thought that was odd. Um, one thing that we definitely have learned right now is that it doesn't matter how much you want to protect this defense. This defense is unprotectable. I thought we proved that. I thought it was very, very clear last year. Yeah. But now that we're six games into this season, you can't help these guys offensively. The only help you can give them is lighting up the scoreboard. So take what you did in the fourth quarter against West Virginia in the first half of Texas Tech and heck, even take what you did in the fourth quarter against Rice and what you did against Sam Houston. Take that. Throw that all together and just come out gunning for the rest of the year because you're not gonna you're not gonna help the defense. And if you're trying to give give them rest, well guess what? They just they just played eighty uh they just played eighty snaps. They look pretty fresh. We didn't hear about how they got worn down. So no, you did not. U of H scored the the four touchdowns in the second half uh were like sixteen plays, like total. Mm-hmm. You ran quick drives you it, it wasn't tempo but you scored fast well the thing is you can also you can also run tempo but run it slower yeah when, there's, when, there's no when, when right way when, to do when, it when you and i talk about tempo we're not talking about kendall browse snap it with you know 28 seconds on the on the uh, play clock we're talking yeah. about moving methodically right getting up to the line making making them either if they're going to make substitutes, they're going to have to. They're going to have to do it off of you. Yeah, and I'm a. I would love to see a team, this team, go a drive with no subs and just force the defense to stay out there mm-hmm. and see what happens. You don't have to snap it at 32 seconds on the play clock. You can do it at 16. But if you don't sub, they can't sub. They can't fear having 13 guys on the field or you know, eight guys on the field. They can't, they can't do that. So it's not some revolutionary thing, but try it. See if that is something that you can use to your advantage. And I think teams are, are, there is a point where they get a little um, predictable in their sub patterns and try to be unpredictable. Try to just do things that other people aren't doing. Right. Or is that stupid? No, I I 100% agree with you. All right. Well, then it's Um, definitely stupid. Well, and you know, to to answer the the question, I guess more narrowly, 
is that is the offense improving? I believe the offense is showing you what their strengths are. Now we need to design the offense around those strengths and enhance them. And if you've got to go out and score 56 points to stay in a ball game, go out and do everything you can to score 56 points to stay in a ball game. You know what that would do, though? People might be interested. They might want to watch. They might even want to come to a game. That's bad. <laughs> you can't have that. No. I mean, 17-14 in the opener, that's, that's where football should be. That's right. Got to pull one Is of there... those uh, Iowa-Wisconsin type games and yeah. just show off our punting prowess. Hey, I'm all for it. Is there any highlight or anything to be happy about on the defense? Um, man, that's a... Uh... It was nice to see Chidozi play well. He was making plays instead of eating space. Okay. I know one of one of the one of the strengths that, that they talk about the most, and I guess this would fall in kind of the winning plays or whatever, is that he occupies a lot of blockers and mm-hmm. he he manages basically the offensive line. The problem is that we don't have the we don't have the linebackers like we used to that we're going to be able to run free and make a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. Now we're more reliant on safeties to do that. Um, so this game, he did that. He did that. He still ate up the blockers, but he was able to go out and make plays on top of it. Yeah. More along, I mean, it, it's, I hate doing the comparison because it's never a fair comparison. And it wasn't a fair comparison to him when he came in, but it's more along the lines of the Ed Oliver style of going after and, Doing your doing your initial job and then going above that and getting the ball and it was good to see him do that. Yeah, he uh, he was your best at getting offensive failures. Um, zero, one, two yards for the offense. He made that happen more than anybody else on the field, and that's and the, the sort and of the fact, game he's needed. Yeah, and the fact that he was making he made a number he he was in on a on a few tackles downfield. Mm-hmm. which tells me you're getting off the block. You're beating yeah. your man at that point. And you're also putting in the effort. Right. Like a lot of defensive tackles, nose guards, they're not they're not going down the field. That's somebody else's problem. Right. That was kind of Ed Oliver's calling card. 100%. Side I mean, other, line, other, than just, other than just being a dominant force in the, in the opposing backfield. But the ones that always made the the big giant highlight tapes is, oh my God, he made that tackle twelve yards down the field on the far sideline. Yeah, yeah. You don't like to have to make those kind of tackles, nope. but it's good whenever you got guys that, that are are willing to put the effort in to do that. And with this with this defense, there's a lot of opportunities to do that. Only twelve missed tackles this week, which is about half of what it was in Tech. So I guess that's improvement. Well, if it's half, then yeah. Uh, I mean, I lost eight pounds last month. Only 200 more to go. I'm with you. You should try Dexatrim. <laughs> that looks safe. Meth in a bottle. Yeah. I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, who you have on your team matters. You can trust Gus to get you the best possible results for your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS. So you're three and three. You have Texas... And then Kansas State, which I'm super excited about all of a sudden after learning that they have a dairy on campus. And in the third quarter, they bring fresh milk and ice cream up to the press box. Oh, wow. If 
I can get in line ahead of some of these larger press people, I'm going to have a day. Uh, We're trying to outdo BYU. Well, that was that was fun on its own. But yeah, I'm excited about this. Uh, you have to steal a win in the next three weeks. I don't think it happens the next two. So it has to be Baylor, right? Yeah, you would think so. And at that I mean, point, that's, that's you're the, four, definitely, that's definitely you're four the best and five. Yeah, because I think you're you're going to be three and five going to Baylor, and if if you can't if you can't win the Baylor game, you're probably not going to whatever the six and six bowl is in this conference. It'd kind of be funny if they sent them to Fort Worth, but <laughs> you move up conferences, it's the same shit. Oh. Uh, so yeah, UT week. When did you get to U of H? In 1993. Okay, so in your experience as a U of H person and in mine, U of H has not beaten them in football. Correct. It's been since 1991. I mean, nobody in this on either team was alive. Half the coaches were probably not even alive or cognizant the last time you beat Texas. And this is your last shot for a long time. Probably ever. Maybe ever. Uh, unless you get them in a bowl game or something, but I doubt that happens. If, if U of H beats UT, does that take all the pressure off of Dana's job? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know. I just don't think, I don't think there's a lot of pressure at this point. I think six and six is in is is in clear view right now. When I look at it, when I look at a schedule that's got the ends with Baylor, Cincy, Oklahoma State, and UCF, I mean that's a winnable November. Absolutely, I mean that's one where you can legit you should be able to win all four. Yeah, given what we've seen to date, with twelve seconds to play in the West Virginia game, was the math different? Yeah, I think the math is is much much different. I'm not talking about my personal feelings. Right. I'm talking about yours don't matter. No, and mine don't matter. I mean, I could I could want him to stay forever, or I could want him to be gone yesterday, and it really doesn't matter. Oh, okay. But I think the optics. I think the people that are making this decision are more concerned about the optics and what can they sell, not sell to not sell to the general audience, but sell to the people that they're going to have to talk to to come up with the funds to do anything because yeah. whether whether you whether you make a move this year or not really doesn't matter because you've got a decision to make on the DC because that contract runs out this year. Yeah. So the question is is that do you spend more on a new DC? Do you stick with what you're doing? Um there'll probably be other coaching changes within the staff because there always are people are going to be going and, and getting promoted and getting new jobs and, and whatnot but the question comes down is are you going to reinvest into the current situation or are you going to go and do something different with a with a loss against west virginia especially the way it was done it becomes a much easier sell yeah. to the people that you're going to need to write checks to do to make that happen it almost feels like dana at three and three with the Big 12 win, is kind of back where he was in August. Right. And, and, like, it's all even. And there's still the pressure, but this is, I mean, this is probably where I thought they would be. I thought they were going to lose to UTSA, beat Rice, beat Sam, beat West Virginia. Three and three. You're three and three. And the problems are, you know, UTSA did not sell out. Didn't really come close. No. TCU did not sell out. 
Nope. West Virginia was not good. Right. There's no enthusiasm around the program. Very little. In Texas, I think the crowd will be fine. I don't think it will. There will be pockets where it's there's people just not there because of ticket brokers and whatever else. Right. So, and it's going to be an afternoon game. So red and orange will kind of look alike. And so it won't look as bad. Well, as long as you're not seeing big giant patches of silver, but I still think that's going to happen. Yeah. So I I just, I am. And this goes back to how devastating that, that rice loss was. Yeah. You just can't oversell how awful that was and not competing against TCU and not showing up for the second half against tech. I mean, this game, West Virginia, your first real four quarter game and offensively didn't really do anything in the first quarter. Defensively though, you held West Virginia on some drives where it looked like they were just going to march down the field and score touchdowns. Yeah. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was you or Starnes in the post game brought up the, you thought what the play of the game was, which changed everything, was stopping them on third down and forcing a field goal. Yeah, I think, and I one I one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in let's, let's be realistic in today's in today's game, if you're forcing field goals, the defense won. Yeah, hundred percent. There's just too I much. Mean, that was a sixteen play drive, sixteen plays, and you held them to three points. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Not often. No, but you had the. They didn't call it a sack because Green was trying to to run on that second down. Uh, and then you held him. It was third and 13 from the 15, and you held him and, and forced that, that field goal. But they took nearly eight minutes off the clock. And, I mean, you just, you just felt like, okay, they're just going to wear down this defense. And they're just going to all day. Well, I mean, if you you think if you if you got wore down if you got wore down against TCU and you got wore down against Texas Tech, facing and barely touching the ball, and the defense being on the field pretty much the entire game against West Virginia, you just figure people are going to be falling out in the third quarter. Yeah, at the rate that they were going. But the next drive, they went and they scored a touchdown on eight plays, and so you're at twenty four plays, and. 170 yards or so on those first two drives. But then the rest of the half, they didn't do anything. They ran 12, 15, 17 plays for 30 yards. Mm -hmm. And how you go from what you did in those first two drives to the absolute shit they put on the field the rest of the half, I don't know how that happens. What do you think about the the mess that the Big 12 looks like this year? I mean, are we we really sold a bill of goods? Are, are we really at the point to where it's it's possible, not likely, but it's possible that Iowa State finishes number two? Okay, I'm not that drunk. I, I'm way sober for that thought. They are well, three and one in the conference, which is they nuts. are three. They are three and one. But they've got Baylor at Baylor, they got Kansas at home, they're at BYU, then they're Texas at home, and then at Kansas State. So those last two games are going to get you. You could they could win the next three. But the fact that it's not out of the question, given how they've looked this year. Well, I mean, there's a very good chance they go to a bowl, right? They're four wins right now. Yeah, they could they could go to a bowl, and I think that's a huge win for that program with what they've been through. I don't know. It's just a it's just a big pile of meh. It really is, and 
You, hey, everybody, you, everybody in this conference, everybody in this conference has shown moments of being good, but then they've also backed that up with moments of being really bad. Yeah, I think OU is probably the only one that hasn't shown really bad. Um, yeah. They weren't great against Cincinnati. They haven't shown that yet. Right, but there's always a chance. Uh, they have back-to-back road games against Kansas and Oklahoma State at the end of the month and the first of the next month, and that could be a problem. That's yeah. where they could slip up. Um, I don't think their defense is very good. I thought that, that Texas really handed them that game uh, a week ago. But everybody else in this conference feels like a 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four team, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's obviously the bottom end, the Cincinnati's and UCF and Baylor and Houston. And you can't even put BYU in that because they're four and two overall. They went three and oh out of conference. But there's that bottom end. But everybody else feels kind of like an eight win team. And then you'll have, I think, OU and Texas at the top. Iowa State would be funny. It would be, I mean, that's, that would be worth doing. Yes. They've only given up 101 points in four conference games about 25 points a game that's pretty stout yeah um, texas and ou are giving up about 18 19 a game and then there's uh the university of houston who's given up 41 a game oh that's not bad yeah it's the uh well it's not the well, worst in, you, in the past in the past it's, it's like ah, yeah i guess so what we we scored 80 those i guess those aren't today it's now. not good no, not good so i guess it's enough all right we talked for a while it was fun it was a big win. It was a good win. It was a fun win. It was a boring game for a couple of quarters there, but the fourth quarter became like a real Big Twelve game. Yeah, that's the um, the new version of the Big Twelve after dark. We'll go with that. Yeah, on Thursday night on FS1. <laughs> hey, you got to got to get used to it. That's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Well, you know, only one of those Thursday games, which is way different than you've been the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, it's weird not having Tulane on a Thursday night, but Although as a football fan, I'm I'm kind of I like I like Thursday games. The Thursday games are okay when you cover a team and it gives you a Saturday off to watch football. Yes. I spent a portion of mine watching volleyball, which 5 years ago I'd have never believed, but it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. And so maybe we'll just talk volleyball next week. Anything's possible at this point. Yeah. So thanks again. Thanks, Gus. And thank all of you. All week, gokooks.com. We have some fun things coming up. Got some things planned. Can't let it out of the bag yet, but good stuff coming this week. Thank you, Brad. Thank Thank you, people. Thank you, microphone. Take us out, Renu. Yahoo! Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, who you have on your team matters. You can trust Gus to get you the best possible results for your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS.